Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're covering Genesis 31-32, Psalm 16, and Matthew 16. We are moving right along, and this is just such a rich story about Jacob and his whole life. And here we're moving into the fact that Jacob was living with Laban for 20 years, I believe. Yep, 20 years, and he worked for his wives, the two sisters, and he worked for his um, his his animals or sheep, goats, whatever, that kind of thing. So he worked for his stuff. And Laban wasn't really fair. He changed his wage like 10 times and he wasn't really, really fair with Jacob. But Jacob just kept working. Finally, he could sense that something was a little off. He could tell Laban wasn't treating him so well. And at that time, the Lord came to said to Joseph, go back to the land of your father and to your relatives and I will be with you. So here's what's interesting. It's not that Jacob was just irritated or um, offended or hurt that his father-in-law was treating him bad, God literally said, it's time for you to go. So there was actually a purpose, a direction. And um, and so he just, he tells his the two girls, Leah and, and Rachel, it's time to go, um, gather your stuff. Um, oh, there was a part the breeding season yes 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 so they gather their stuff now here's the interesting thing (laughs) so rachel stole her father's household gods so rachel stole her father's household gods her the statues that's a significant deal we don't see the significance yet but we will as stories and chapters move along so they take off when laban finds out that that jacob left he comes after him and um, and he goes to the camp where they're at and he's, and he's just upset. How could you do this to me? How could you take my daughters and, and all this stuff? And, um, and you didn't even tell me. I couldn't even kiss my grandchildren goodbye. And you stole my household gods, the statues, these, these gods. And Jacob saying, no, I didn't. Go ahead. Check everybody. So he checked all the tents, checked all the tents. He checked Rachel's tent, but she was actually sitting on them. I guess they weren't that big, but she was sitting on them. Then when it's time to leave, she said, oh, father, I'm so sorry. I can't stand up to to give you a hug because I'm on my menstrual cycle. Okay. (laughs) So she's, Jacob doesn't know she's stolen the gods, these statues. And so he even got mad at Laban and said, how could you do this? How how could you even accuse me of such a thing? Of course, we didn't steal your gods. Okay, we'll see about that. Uh, Moving down further along... Like uh, Laban and Jacob are just discussing things. And finally, Laban realizes that Jacob is blessed. So therefore, Laban still wants to acquire some of that blessing. So he decides, let's make an oath. Let's make a promise between each other that we won't hurt each other. We'll per- and I won't hurt you. You won't- My people won't hurt you and your people won't hurt me. Interesting. Okay, so Jacob's, sure. But it's weird the way J- uh, Laban's side of the deal was, listen to this. He says, if you mistreat my daughters or if you take any wives besides my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. So he based, that was his side of the deal. Deals off if you marry someone else and you mistreat my daughters. Okay. And then Laban says, I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you. And that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. Boom. You stay on your side. I stay on my side. We won't hurt each other. 
interesting. Okay, moving to chapter 32. Oh, the drama gets so rich because Jacob is about to go to his father's land. Who is he going to see? Esau. So Jacob's preparing to meet Esau. And yes, Jacob's nervous. He's frightened. And there is word from one of his servants who ran, who goes way up ahead and says, yep, uh, Esau knows you're coming and he's coming to see you with like 400 men. Oh my gosh, Jacob's really scared now. So he separates his group of people, his, um, he separates his clan just in case his brother comes and slaughters. At least the other clan is free, I guess. Anyways, he separates the group of his people and he is about to meet Esau. We haven't gotten that far. That'll be in the next chapter. But even before we end chapter 32, this is the part of Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob wrestling with God. Interesting. And it's interesting the way it says, that night Jacob got up and took, okay, so he took his two wives, his female servants, and the 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Ooh, that is historical. This is that his name is Israel. Okay. Um, then Jacob says, what is your name? And he replies, why do you ask me my name? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So Jacob called the place Penile saying it is because I saw God face to face. <laughs> That's so funny. The sun rose above him as he passed in Penile and he was limping because of his hip. That's unfortunate. But now he's got a, a hip limp. <laughs> okay, so here we go to chapter 16 of Psalms. It's a little bit longer, so I'm not going to fully read it, but I'm going to read some chunks because it's so beautiful. It starts off with, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods, well, that's a lowercase g, who ran after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. In other words, I will not worship them and I will not sacrifice blood sacrifices to these false gods, statues. Um, Lord, you will, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup and make my lot secure. So I always wondered, what does that mean about my cup? And so back in those ancient times, the banquets, the guests would get their cup full and they would get can do refills because they were the guests. So here he's saying, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup and make me and make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at the right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body 
My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. If I didn't read, I ended up reading the whole chapter, but if I didn't read the whole chapter, it would be so worth just reading the last verse. You make known to me the path of life. Wait a second, wait a second. The purpose of life, the reason for life that we are all trying to figure out, you will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Oh, wait a second. So if I'm in God's presence, I will have joy. That's exactly what he's saying. If you remain in the presence of the Lord, you will have joy in your heart. With eternal pleasure at your right hand. So sounds like that's the secret to life to me. Okay, moving to Matthew 16. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees are still on Jesus's case. Oh my gosh, they're like pests. And they're basically saying, you got to give us a sign. We don't believe you, trust you, that kind of thing. Give us a sign. And Jesus, with his clever, savvy communication skills, said, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given ex- given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. <laughs> Can you imagine? Here they want, they're asking for something direct, clear, and Jesus gives them a story like this. And they must have been dumbfounded and just left like not knowing. So when they, they came across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Ooh, things are so interesting. Okay, so when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <laughs> so then the disciples were like, okay, is this because we forgot to bring bread? I mean, literally, that's what it says. Is it because we didn't bring bread? And Jesus knew what they were discussing in silent, and he probably giggled. Here's my, here's my guess. He probably giggled. Oh, ye of little faith, why are you talking about yourselves, about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the thousand and how many baskets, basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in the bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's because yeast, yeast is a is a very it's it symbolizes a very quiet but potent, rapidly spreading influence. So here, Jesus was referring to the negative way and the corrupt or hypocritical teachings of the Pharisees and how that weakens his followers from the inside because yeast gets into the bread and grows from the inside out and just causes the bread to poof, right? That's what yeast does. So that's why oftentimes Jesus is referring to yeast. Um, Moving right along... Peter, being the inquisitive person that he is, um, started asking questions. So what were his questions? Um, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son. Okay, so do, 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 do. Simon Peter, 
they're asking, okay, so, okay, let's just start from the beginning here. <laughs> when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say it's John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Uh, is he saying that already God is speaking to people through wisdom and insight and knowledge? Yes, he is. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Wait, time out. Okay, first of all, two things. One, there's the binding and loosing on earth as it is in heaven. That's always fascinating to me. Powerful but fascinating. Secondly, why didn't he want anyone to know that he was the Messiah? I believe it was like, not yet. Maybe... He needed to see where people's heart was. Maybe he didn't want to start a ruckus. I don't know, but I believe it was just a not yet. Um, and then the next section, 20, verse 21 and down, talks about Jesus talking about predicting his death. And remember when Peter says, never, Lord, that will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And you do not have the mind that concerns of God, but merely of human concerns so true. And I don't think he was trying to be call Peter Satan. No, no, no. He was just saying the way you're thinking is not godly, but it's influenced um, possibly by Satan, influenced by who knows what. Either way, it is a stumbling block. When you are on a path and you have to get somewhere or you have to accomplish something and people are saying, hey, here's a shortcut or hey, why don't you cheat here or cheat there? That is definitely a stumbling block for you to accomplish something great. Um, here's also a very important passage. Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Amen. Hallelujah. That's true. Life is on this earth is a blink of time, but your soul will live forever. And this is a human experience on earth that we're having, but our spirit will live forever. So it's very important that we actually acknowledge that. And honestly, our little materialistic human brain has a hard time wrapping around that. We think that this here and now is the only real reality. And that is not true. And Jesus is saying that right here as well, saying your soul um, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in this Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So that's the end of chapter 6. But I really wanted to just emphasize the fact that, yep, this human experience here on earth is a blink in time and eternity is forever. And that's where your soul resides. And that's why God was teaching people throughout in the Old Testament. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus came here to teach us 
how to live on this earth, how to have an experience, and then um, how to enter into the kingdom of heaven through salvation and Jesus Christ. Isn't that the coolest thing? Okay, so here we are. That was the end of chapter 16. I hope you enjoyed that.